Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Positive Birth Australia. On today's episode, I have a beautiful mama from Brisbane, who is also a friend of mine, sharing her natural birth in a hospital environment with a doula there for support. Shana's story is anything but cruisy, which makes it a really important one to hear because her story is all about the power of information and doing your own research. It's also a really great reminder that getting a second opinion in some situations is never a bad thing and using your voice when things don't feel right for you. I personally love this birth story so much and the message that it sends because Shana is fearless when it comes to taking back the power and making those decisions for herself and her baby. Enjoy this episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode, Shana. I'm very, very excited to have you on. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> Do you want to just quickly tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like where you live and who's in your family? Yeah, I live in Brisbane, Birkdale, with um, my hubby, Miles. He and I have been together uh, 13 years this year, I think. So, um been together 13 years but married for three so we had we fell pregnant with Orlo um the very next month after we got married so so as soon as you got married you guys were straight into the babies <laughs> yeah we <laughs> we both had wanted babies for ages and to be honest we were you know playing with the devil a little bit yeah. prior to falling uh, pr- prior to the wedding so yeah we, we weren't worried about when we would fall, but yeah. Yeah. So. so did you do any prep because you knew you were going to have babies or were you just super chill about the whole thing? I am a pretty chill person in general, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did buy like a prenatal from the health food store at the time, um, but I think I was only taking it for like literally as soon as we got married, I started taking it, I think. Yeah. Um, 
What else did I do? I didn't really do any prep. I have really, really irregular periods um, in yeah. general, always have. And um, so I honestly was really, really shocked because I had been told in the past, like when I was about 23, that I would potentially have problems falling pregnant. Oh, really? Um, because I have precursors or like pointers for PCOS. Um, What's that? Uh, polycystic ovary syndrome. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So I got told when I was about 23 that I – she almost said I probably won't be able to have babies, to be honest. Wow. And I was like, you are a terrible doctor. She, yeah. Like to the point where she was like – she said to me, um, you – because, okay, a little bit of a backstory. I stopped taking the pill when I was 20 because um, I was getting a lot of pain right. um, with my cycles and stuff like that. They were excruciating. So Really? While you were on the pill? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I had I had honestly been tested for everything under the sun, endometriosis. I got, you know, all the tests done to find out what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I came back negative for everything. And as a last resort, I went to this um, chiropractor who was sort of like a holistic chiropractor. And um, the first thing she said to me was just get off the pill, like, mm. and which no other doctors had suggested. So I was like, okay, well, that's an easy an easy thing I can try. Um, so I did that and I actually didn't get my period for 18 months after what? stopping the pill. Yeah, so. Wow. Uh, so you, you when... weren't ovulating that whole time, obviously? Well, well, you'd think you not, think? hey. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. That's I assume a long not. time. Yeah. So I was super grateful that I started that when I was 20 and not like when I was ready yeah. to try and have a baby. Yeah. Um, and so that's so when true. I went to the gynecologist and she was like, look, I can get your period back. Um, it's just a tablet. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> she's like, I can give you a period if you want a period. But she's like, to be honest. Most women don't want their period, so what's the problem? I'm like, well, you know, I kind of want to figure out figure out why I'm not getting my period. Yeah, I don't exactly. want you to just give me this chemical drug to Kick give started. me a bleed. Yeah, yeah, like find out what the actual issue is. Yeah. Yeah. But um, she was the same doctor that told me I, I would almost certainly have trouble conceiving. So. Wow. Um, yeah. So and how did you eventually get your period back then? Did it just come on its own? Or no, it didn't come. So I ended up going to a naturopath. Okay, cool. And um, she put me on this whole regime of like herbal supplements, and awesome. it literally like I think I spent about two hundred bucks on just the tablets. Wow. Um, but it literally came back that month. My period oh, started. How amazing! Yeah, it was. It was honestly really really cool actually wow that's so cool yeah so that's what happened I got got it back 18 months after taking stopping the pill and um yeah but ever ever since like my periods were never regular mm-hmm. always like had random 50 day cycles or wow. 40 day cycles and um always had still continued to have that really bad pain never went away um mm-hmm. until I had all actually so I haven't had the pain since I was pregnant with Orlo. Well, they say, I don't know if it's true, but I have heard from multiple people that when you fall pregnant, your hormones reset. 
Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. And yeah. it definitely was the case for me, to be honest. Like it was really amazing actually. So amazing. I'm grateful, yeah, because yeah. honestly it was excruciating. Like I would be, wow. I don't like taking Panadol at the best of times, but I would be up at 2 a.m. like scoffing the, the stuff. Like, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was horrendous. So a naturopath is the way to go basically. Did you have any complications with your pregnancy with baby Orlo? I did, yeah. So so I had a really good pregnancy, obviously no morning sickness up until my 20-week scan, mm-hmm. you know, that one that they check everything's yep. growing properly. And they, um, they found that I had a short cervix. A short cervix? Which, what does that mean? Yeah. So it's – I'm just trying to think how – how long a normal cervix is. I think it's like 3.5 centimetres or something. Three and a half centimetres is like the normal. Yeah, got you. Some people, some people or more people, some people have like um, like four centimetres, like a longer cervix. Mm-hmm. So, um, but mine was short. So mine was like 1.9 centimetres wow. or something. And the cutoff before they get really worried is two centimetres, I think, mm. was... This is just going off the top of my head. I can't, you know, it was two years ago mm. now. So um, so they freaked out a little bit, to be honest, and they wanted me to start this um, progesterone um, hormone treatment. They were saying I'd have to get a stitch in my cervix, so literally like stitching my cervix So together. is that because your cervix is so short the baby could come too early that's right okay yeah so as he gets bigger he put pressure on your cervix yeah exactly preterm labor is really um, common like a big danger yeah when you have a short cervix so like they literally wanted to stitch it shut for Mm. me um but oh just naturally i was like whoa 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 Um, this is like an intervention that I'm not exactly happy about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, many doctor and specialist appointments later, um, I just did so much research. Yeah. And you know what the funny thing is? Um, in, a, in America, as soon as you get diagnosed with a short cervix, you're literally most of the time um, put on bed rest, like in a hospital setting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Australia, it's not the case. Like, they just wanted me to keep going on my normal daily routine, going to work, all that sort of stuff. Um, but just to take this hormone treatment. Oh, okay. Just absolutely blew my mind. Like, how can how can the treatments be so different yeah. in, in different countries, you know? like But both westernised countries, you would think they would be on the similar yeah. page to each other. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, well, this doesn't feel right to me. Like if if from everything I read, you know, like if you have a really short cervix, if you do a lot of activity and, you, you know, like say the baby puts pressure on it. I mean, yeah, it sounds so. like common sense really, doesn't it? Well, exactly. That's what I was like. It doesn't make sense for me to keep going on my normal routine, um, daily routine and just think that everything's going to be fine. So I literally, and because it's not the treatment that's recommended in Australia, um, the doctors wouldn't give me like a certificate for work or anything like that. Like really, I literally had to quit work under my own. Oh my gosh. 
um, I had to put myself on bed rest because um, wow. I felt like in my gut that that was the what I needed thing. to do. Yeah. yeah, because it was it was strange that um, like when I was walking and stuff, I would get these excruciating like sharp pains up there. Mm-hmm like in where my cervix is and, um, you know, wow. after talking to chiropractors and medical specialists, they're like, yeah, well, that's that's your cervix is is um, struggling at the moment. Wow. So did you get any stitching? No. So that comes – the stitches come with such a huge risk um, to the baby. It can literally cause labour. You can – they can break your waters, Um with the stitch, uh, there's so many things wrong with it, which is why I was like, hell no, wow. thank you. Good on you for doing the research. So, yeah, and I also denied the or declined, sorry, the um, progesterone treatment also because I knew I was having a baby boy. I found out that out and um, progesterone treatments have been known to cause um, interference with them yeah with with boys uh is it their genitals oh, yeah like really? you're joking yeah. so did the doctors tell you any of this or is this they they printed out like information sheets and i kid you not literally on the stuff they printed out it also said that's the very stuff that i'm talking about like like it just blew my mind i'm like you you've given me information here that's kind of not recommend like in my opinion it's kind of telling me don't the do bad it. stuff yeah. about it yeah wow. um but I also did my a lot of my own research too like I spent I think a whole week I just laid on the couch reading and reading and reading mm-hmm. because I had to give the hospital and all that um like an answer what way I was going to go mm-hmm. um and I just read and read and to be honest that was probably the st- most stressful part of my pregnancy up until the, like later yeah. but um yeah it was super stressful wow. because I had you know the doctors telling me risking your baby by not doing the progesterone yeah. it's really simple it's just a hormone it's a naturally occurring thing in your body so it's no problem like and I was yeah. just like yeah no yeah it's not it's naturally occurring but they're going to put a synthetic version in yeah and at levels that my body's not supposed to. to be having yeah so yeah. it just nothing good on you for sticking yeah to nothing guns. about it felt right to me so because of that though <sighs> did you then seek certain care like did you have an obstetrician or what did you end up doing yeah so I started no no I started with um shared care with my GP in the hospital because mm-hmm. I was going public mm-hmm. that was um, Redlands but Redlands hospital yeah, yeah. um I started off with that and then it pretty much stayed the same really except every time I went to the hospital for my hospital appointments, it, I wasn't going to see a midwife anymore. I was straight to the obstetrician. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, not, not a whole lot changed in that sort of aspect of it, to be yeah. honest, my care. But uh, they, they kept telling me um, – because, you know, after I did my research, I went back to the doctors and I said, look, why why am I not being medically recommended to go on bed rest? Because, you know, everything I read online is telling me that that's what the, everyone does overseas. Um, and they just said, well, it's not um, – all the studies done show that 
it's not the best way. And I was just like, righto. Um, and I said, but online, like the stories I've read about people going on bed rest, they, they start out with a short cervix and because of going on bed rest and like, I don't know, maybe taking the pressure off the cervix for a while gives it time to, um, I don't know, heal in a yeah. way, not heal, but, um, well, it just maybe takes strengthen the without off. the pressure on yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Um, they kept telling me, no, no, there's, um, there's no medical medically possible way that your cervix can lengthen after anyway so I was like you know what I just don't believe you Mm. (laughs) Uh, so I had a 1.9 centimeter uh, cervix and then after a month of being on bed rest it went up to 2.9 centimeters wow that's epic and that was confirmed by scans and everything and I was just like, wow, thank you. Like I felt so good about my decision when, when that changed for us. And I was like, and literally it just got so much better after that. Like I could, I wasn't getting those sharp pains as often. And I just knew as soon as I got those pains. Rest. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was, that was complication number one. And then that went away or well, not went away, but you know, it was you stabilized. Were managing it. Yeah. Um, and after that I had a good pregnancy right up till 39 weeks mm-hmm. and I went to my appointment for my 39 week appointment and I got diagnosed with preeclampsia. Okay. Yeah. So that's where which, you get swelling. Yeah. It is like excessive, ex- extremely dangerous, um, it, it is like the number one or number two leading cause in, of death in mothers or mothers and babies or something. Um, wow. It's like super serious and really dangerous. Like you can go into a fit like unannounced and that fit, um, I guess, kills your baby because you, you're having a fit and you, you, you stop all oxygen to the baby. Wow. Did you have any inkling that you had that before you went in for the scan? Obviously, the swelling was bad, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, – oh, man, I had <laughs> – I was so swollen. Mm. Like I wasn't too bad, like, in my hands, which – like I couldn't wear my wedding, ring, wedding rings or anything like that, but it still wasn't, like, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um and my face was like obviously a little bit like I did put on weight. Um, but I mean, those are all normal my pregnancy. things. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. In my opinion, my my levels um, were pretty normal, except for my feet. My feet were the only ones that were like quite swollen. Wow. Um, and anyway, so I had protein in my urine as well. Um, but to be honest. Every time I've had my urine tested, even prior to being pregnant, I've always shown up to have a little bit of protein in my mm-hmm. urine, which is not a normal thing, but it's just my normal, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, and because of those two um, pointers, I she my doctor sent me straight to the hospital that night. Um, and yeah, they confirmed it there at the hospital that I had preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. They wanted to admit me that night. In fact, they did admit me right then and there on the spot and wanted me to stay overnight, but I sort of refused and self-discharged. 
Wow, look at you go. That is honestly so amazing because so many women wouldn't even think to speak up for themselves. I had a lot of – I read – I was obsessed with pregnancy and babies and all that sort of stuff well before I was pregnant. So I'd read so much about pregnancy and babies. Something I didn't do. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's – and then I also had my – my chiropractor who I swear by he's like the smartest man I've ever met um yeah he he had my back the whole way as in like I sent him through my blood tests and like he's not just a normal chiropractor he was he was invested he yeah but he also is just so much more knowledgeable than a standard chiropractor not that chiropractors are standard or whatever but um he he specialized in in women and pregnancies and all that sort of thing so wow. he he was invested in a way i guess you could mm-hmm. say but i was sending him my blood tests and um my blood pressure which um i normally have quite a low blood pressure uh for like when i'm not pregnant um so that's another pointer for preeclampsia is high blood pressure mm-hmm. it was high for me but it was literally on the normal scale for most people, mm-hmm. but they still counted it because it was high for my normal. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I self-discharged that night uh, under the precursor that I would come back the very next day and have more monitoring and stuff like that. So I wasn't, like, completely disregarding the, you know, their treatment or their yeah. care for me. Um but I wanted to go and see my chiropractor first thing in the morning and I also got some acupuncture done, mm-hmm. Japanese acupuncture for anyone who's scared of needles like myself. Uh, wow. <laughs> Japanese acupuncture is really tiny needles. Oh, okay. And it literally does not hurt a single bit. I, I fell asleep during my session. Oh, wow. It was so relaxing, yeah. So what did that do? Did that just help with the swelling or was that meant to bring on labour naturally? I really wanted to bring on labour naturally, naturally okay. because, like I say, yeah, the doctors, they wanted to admit me to induce, induce you. Me. Okay, got you. Yeah. Right. Um, so I was like, no, 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 I'm going to try everything in my my power to, to go naturally Um, I should probably also mention that I had a doula. Yes, I was going to ask you that. (laughs) And And how far into your pregnancy did you find your doula? um, I think it was about 30-week mark. Oh, wow, so really late. Yeah, I think think it was around then. And um, because I remember my – we weren't finished our classes when I was about 38 weeks. I think we had our last class. Okay, got you. Roughly. Anyway, she obviously through my classes with the doula, um, you learn about things like how important it is to go into natural labour rather than being induced. Yeah. Um, just because of the, the ongoing, you know, things that happen. The repercussions. After being induced is usually like a cascade of interventions. Yeah. Um, so I was hell-bent on going into labour naturally and not being um, induced. Mm-hmm. With preeclampsia, actually, most people get sent for like, well, not most people, but when it's a bad case, they get sent for like a C-section literally straight away, wow. even if it's like before full term. 
Wow. So it's, it is a really super scary and and serious condition. Mm-hmm. However, I didn't have any of the, um, what do you call it, like symptoms that they kept um, asking me about. So, yes, I did have protein in my urine. Yes, I had a little bit of swelling um, and I had slightly raised blood blood pressure but it wasn't crazy it wasn't scary high so you might have been like the lower risk preeclampsia is that what yeah you yeah so generally the big um the big things for preeclampsia is like headaches blurred vision um, pain in your upper abdomen and just a general feeling of being unwell is like yeah, if you have those symptoms along with the swelling and the protein in your urine, then definitely take it seriously because mm-hmm. it, it really is it is life-threatening mm-hmm. um, for both you and Bob. Wow. So okay. I, however, didn't have any of those symptoms, those extra symptoms that I mentioned. I felt 100% fine and I just knew that I was okay. Like I just had this feeling. I was like, no. Mm. I'm all right. Like I know hospitals have a duty of care and, you know, in the, at the end of the day they do just want to cover their asses. Exactly, which is understandable that, as well because, you absolutely. know, they don't want to get sued. But, yeah, that's So, yeah, amazing. losing a life or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I – so that morning I um, – the next morning I went and got my acupuncture and I had saw my chiropractor and then went back to the hospital and they actually admitted me from the 8th of February through till the 11th of February, so Thursday to Sunday. Sunday was my 40-week milestone. Wow. Um, and after that, I literally had had enough of being a pin cushion. I was getting – I had a cannula, cannula in my arm. So just a reminder, I absolutely despise needles. Oh, no, you poor so thing. So scared of them. <laughs> um, and so I had a cannula in for this whole time, which might I add was so painful the whole time. Like they say cannulas are not supposed to hurt. They're supposed to be just there, mm. maybe annoying but not hurt. But this was really uncomfortable. It, it quite hurt the whole time. So, um, And not only that, I had this cannula in but they wouldn't take blood from it, which is the whole reason why I agreed to get it because I was like, well, I'd rather get one needle that you can keep taking blood from daily. Then multiple. Um, then multiple needles every day. So that was the whole reason I got it. And then they wouldn't take the blood from the cannula. Oh gosh. Because they kept saying it was like um, contaminated or something. I don't even know. But I was like, okay, we'll take the cannula out then. Yeah. And they're like, no, we need it in there just in case, you know, because you have preeclampsia, you could go into a fit and we need. I was like, <gasps> Gosh. Oh my God! Get me out of here. So, what was your doula saying throughout this whole process? Were we were you in contact with her as well? Yeah, yeah. So I kept her informed of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really good. Um, she's not uh, like doulas aren't medically trained, so she couldn't really offer a you know a whole lot of advice in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um. She was more there for emotional support, I guess, which was super, super needed because she just knew everything to say at the right times. Yeah. And 
Yeah, so um, on the Sunday I discharged myself again. <laughs> really? So you were 40 like, weeks? Yeah, I was 40 weeks. And honestly their plan was like, okay, you just stay here then for monitoring until you fall, you go into labour. And I was like, you know, getting needles daily. I had it's probably stressing you people out. people coming in all, all day, every day, doctors coming in, telling me that I'm risking the life of my baby oh, and myself. Just putting the heavies on me, like sitting down on my bed, you know, they, they touch your arms so gently. And like, <laughs> you know, we really, really think you're doing the wrong thing here. Like this is dangerous, you know, really putting the heavies on yeah. me. Um, I just was like, you know what, I just – and to be honest, I was getting my blood tested every day, sometimes multiple times a day, and um, I was sending every lot of those to my chiropractor and he was like – he did say, yes, you have got preeclampsia, obviously. Um, however, your levels are not high. They're not scarily high, which is obviously why I also felt fine. Yeah. Um, if they were higher, I might have started to get, you know, the bad symptoms and all that sort of stuff. So, wow. Did you feel um, any yeah, pressure I, from family about your decisions? No, no. Um, my family kind of know I'm a bit alternate and <laughs> you've done your research. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and say I'm basically a qualified doctor or anything. No, I just, I read so much and I read a lot of stories and I read a lot of, um, studies yeah. and yeah, you did your research thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I felt confident in my decision. Yeah. Miles was also 100% with me. He Awesome. You know, he was there for every appointment and every day while I was in hospital, he was by my side. He pretty much never left. Mm. And so he was there for all the conversations and we basically talked about it all day, every day. Mm. And, and he was completely in agreement with me that, you know, I shouldn't, you know, unless I feel like there's something wrong. Mm. Um, just to follow my gut and good on you. That's what I did. So yeah, forty weeks. I said, you know what? I've had enough. I want to go home because I'm not gonna fall. I'm not gonna go into labour in this environment. Like to go into labour, you need a calm, um, stress-free, yeah. calm environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so why generally people go to go into labour while they're sleeping because they're absolutely relaxed. So true. Um, there's nothing influencing them or stressing them because they're asleep. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna make my I'm gonna make the situation worse by staying in here because it's just gonna prolong me going to, into labor. Yeah. So I was like, see you later. <laughs> um, discharged, and um, I did agree. Like obviously, I was trying to do it the smart way. Like I did agree. That was the Sunday I discharged. I said, look, I'll come back on Wednesday and I'll get more bloods taken just to check my levels haven't spiked and, you know, things haven't gotten worse over the last couple of days. So I had agreed to do that and I had agreed for a scan on the Friday. And then I'd also agreed to do um, an induction on the Sunday. So 41 weeks basically. Yeah. I'd agreed to induction, however. I probably would have pushed it out further yeah. <laughs> if it got to the Sunday and I still hadn't gone into labour properly. So you were kind of just agreeing to shut them up. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. 
But I did go back on the Wednesday and I got the blood test done, which there was no change. Um, My levels were still stable and I still felt fine. Um, I was definitely fat and full of fluid, (laughs) but I was fine. Yeah. Um, So when did you eventually go into labour? So I was, like I say, I I agreed to a scan on the Friday and I went into labour on the Friday morning, one o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah, I even had a call from them like, where are you? You haven't come for your scan. I didn't answer it obviously, but um, I was heavy, heavily into labour by then. So So were you asleep in your bed and then you woke up? Yeah. Do you want to take us to that moment? Yeah, so I, I was... Um, fast asleep, 1am in the morning I woke up to, um, I guess, period-type cramps, so pretty dull. Um, but I, I very quickly noticed that they came and then they went. Okay, so you recognised straight like, away it was labour. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, oh my God. <laughs> it happened. You could not even – I cannot even tell you how happy I was to go into labour naturally, yeah, honestly, wow. like – the weight, you know, I thought I would be shit scared of like at the time of going into yeah. labor. I thought I'd be like, oh my God, it's starting. Oh my God, <laughs> it's happening. I'd be scared. I'd be anxious. But I was just so happy that I didn't have to go and get induced. Yeah. So um, that's awesome. I was ecstatic. Yeah. So 1 a.m., um, I, I very quickly realized that they were coming and going. So I got the little app out and I started timing them. Meanwhile, I stayed in bed because it's super important not to use up your energy and all that sort of stuff. So I stayed really still in bed and just sort of, I don't know, just chilled through them. And um, I was timing them and they were like 10 minutes apart, 7 minutes apart, 11 minutes apart, sort of, you know, erratic but around the 10-minute mark, most of them. And I messaged, um, I know that labour can start and then stop you know, you can get the pre-labor things. So yeah. I um, I waited an hour for them to be coming a reg- like regular for an hour and I messaged my doula just to let her know because um, I let her know. I said, look, this is what's happening. I've been contracting for an hour. I'm still in bed. I haven't woken Miles up yet. Um, she basically told me straight away. She was like, okay, stop timing them. <laughs> She said, go back to sleep. Um, You need to get out of your thinking brain because it will drain your energy. You just need to literally sleep as much as you can. Don't think about it. Such good advice. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think is probably the thing that um, enabled me to get through it, to be honest, because I did have – that was 1 a.m. and I did – I went back to sleep. Obviously, I kept waking up. In con- like when I was contracting, but um, I would very quickly fall back to sleep in between mm-hmm. them um, right up until 5 a.m. So I got like effectively another few hours sleep, which was so important. So yeah. important, yeah. I had read so many stories about, yeah, labour starting and then stopping and, and it sort of fading away and I really didn't want that to happen, so I just chilled and relaxed and, and did everything she yeah, said. Good. So, so, yeah, um so that was about 5 a.m. So <clears throat> what day? So that was, yeah, it started 1 a.m. on the 16th of February. And um, so it was 40 weeks and five days at that point. Wow. So it only went five days over. 
But, um, yeah, so about 5 a.m. I woke up and I was like, yeah, okay, these are definitely getting stronger. I think I'm going to wake up Miles now. And, um, yeah, he woke up and he was like, oh, I should get ready for work. And I said, no, you're not going anywhere. And he's like, why? I'm like, well, I'm in labor, so you're not going anywhere. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, he got up straight away and um, started feeding the dog. Our dog is like, uh, at the time, she was super, um, she, she needed to take a lot of tablets and I was the only one that could do it for her. Oh, okay. And the other thing my doula said was to about, I think about six o'clock or seven o'clock actually, she said, eat something now, like something that will give you energy before you don't want to eat anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you obviously reach a point where you don't, you don't want food, you don't want anything. Yeah, of course. Um, so that advice was also really important. I think that having something to eat really early um, in the labor stage gives you that energy later on that you wouldn't have otherwise had. So obviously I was not even hungry, but I was like, no, I'm going to eat this quiche. Yeah. (laughs) The other really important bit of advice she gave was to drink a lot of fluids and go to the toilet all the time Mm -hmm. um, because it is so important to empty your bladder while you're in labor because it can obstruct the baby coming down the birth canal. And if you don't, um, empty it you can also like rupture your bladder as well so yeah um that was super important so I did that I was like chugging down on whole coconuts all morning oh, wow <laughs> um yeah I I my whole pregnancy actually it was one thing that I couldn't get enough of was just whole coconuts um like an actual coconut yeah like drinking the liquid out of a coconut I'm just trying to picture that <laughs> Like you in labor with yeah. your coconut and straw. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. me. And dates. And dates, dates yeah, of course. were a huge thing. So after my little, piece, my little piece of quiche, that was what I ate throughout my whole labor was dates and coconut oh, water. Wow. I remember, remember telling Miles to call my mum and be like, get mum to go get me more coconuts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had, I had run out of coconuts. Oh, bless. Um, the plan wasn't to have mum there for the labour, but she ended up staying, obviously, once she brought the coconuts. So you were at home at this stage with just Miles and your mum once she brought the coconuts? Yeah. Had you um, done any candles or did you have music playing in the background? Had you done any prep in oh, that regard? Look, honestly, I I had planned for all of that, yeah. but Miles, and I mean, I wasn't in the space the, the headspace you know the headspace to um do all of that because I sort of I sort of instantly went into my own world I am very very early my doula got there at 8 a.m Mm -hmm. and she confirmed that I was in active labor Mm -hmm. at 8 a.m I was like non-verbal right um, okay were you on the couch in my own world when she got there, I was, like, leaning on the bed. Okay, yeah. I used um, – so, yeah, to answer your question, no, there was no <laughs> candles lit um, or anything like that. Miles chucked on 
some chill music that we always listen mm-hmm. to, like, you know, just chill house mm-hmm. music type thing. Um, and You just went into the zone. I was just in my zone, awesome. yeah. The doula arrived. Um, I should say her name is Moran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most amazing doula ever. Yes, she is. Um, she got there at 8 and she was just having me sort of do or have my contractions in different positions. So like I was just walking around, we had a kitchen island bench. Might I just add the house that I was in labour, like our house at the time was so tiny wow. <laughs> um, that there was not a lot of room to sort of like walk around. So I was literally walking around my kitchen island bench. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's so cool. With your coconut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah, she would grab a chair and I would sort of put one leg up on the chair and, and um, have a contraction there wow. and then, you know, swap sides, like do different legs each contraction. And um, at one stage I was on the floor in the in the lounge room or leaning on my bed. Mm-hmm. I did use a um, TENS machine, which I highly, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I'm not going to say that it took any of the pain away as such. It just gave me something to focus yeah. on other than the pain. Yep. Um, but me pressing the button didn't last long either. I just it got to a point where I just said, now, mm. Miles had to press the button. Actually, my waters broke around 11.30, I think it was, wow. on my lounge room floor um, all over a oh, pillow. No. <laughs> that scared the hell out of me because I, I thought it was the baby to be honest oh, yeah. I was like oh what was that because it just burst and water went everywhere and at the time I was laying on my side with like my leg in the air did that ramp up your contractions oh, big time yeah. 100% so your cervix because it was so short would that not have yeah that was the thing yeah. it um a lot of people say that you labour really quickly because there's not much yeah. there, <laughs> um, which was another worry for me, which is why um, – and also preeclampsia, they say that you can labour really quickly with that too. So um, that's why I called – I said to Miles, you need to get Moran here early because I was really scared that my labour was going to progress yeah. really quickly and she was like an hour away or whatever. Um, and she did. She came straight away, which was good. But, um, yeah, it just wasn't the case for me. My labour <laughs> my labor wasn't quick no. and it was actually a back labour too, posterior labour. So oh, fun. But my doula, like obviously that's the best thing about having a doula is they come with all these mm-hmm. things that, you know, help you with these, th- with these ailments. So she had Miles squeeze my hips, sort of like put that counter pressure mm-hmm. On every contraction, like as that got after, I think that started after my labour, after the waters broke. And honestly, he worked so hard because no one else could put as much pressure on my hips mm-hmm. as he could. <laughs> like I had Moran do it if, if Miles needed a break or had to deal with the dog or something, she would try and do it, but her strength was just mm-hmm. not there. <laughs> I needed more. Yeah. Miles was the only one that made it bearable. And, um, and that's a workout. Once my waters. Yeah, it is. Yeah. He worked super hard yeah, throughout my labor. He, um, the plan was to, 
like he was going to drive us to the hospital. <clears throat> but that didn't happen because I was like, well, there ain't no way I'm going to be sitting in a seat mm-hmm. and not having you squeeze my mm-hmm. hips. <laughs> How far away from the hospital were you? Uh, so we lived in Manly, so it was about a 45-ish Oof, minute yeah, wow. drive depending on traffic. Um, and But my mum was just there, so she drove and Miles was in the back seat with mm-hmm. me squeezing my hips. And at what point did you <laughs> guys decide to leave? Like what was the deciding well, factor of that? I think it was probably about an hour after my waters broke that I was like, okay, um, you know, because Miles said to Moran, should we go now? And she's like, no, no, she's got a while now. She's still got a while to go. Because you wouldn't have had any so, checks either. No, no. Yeah. Um, that was my plan was not to get checked. No checks, I yeah. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to be put off yeah, by knowing, exactly. you know, how many centimetres I was. And that's what and it does. It, it does mentally. Off. And labour is honestly, it's just one whole big mind game. If you're If you're right in your mind you can handle it if you're mm-hmm. not right in your mind if you you start thinking that you can't do it or whatever like that that is your biggest enemy so yeah very true so you guys went to hospital yeah we got in the car mum drove <laughs> my mum's a police officer so she's had crazy police car driving um training <laughs> and miles <laughs> gets super sick in at the best of times, car sick, I should say. And he said that was the worst part about the labour. Oh, <laughs> being no, in the back seat, thing. being th- thrown around by my mum's crazy driving <laughs> oh, no. in between traffic and around corners. And oh, God. Mind you, my head was in the baby seat and oh. I was kneeling, so I was facing the side door and Miles was squeezing my hips. And, um, yeah. We got there and oh, that drive was horrendous, by the way. Like getting was thrown there. around while you're in labor is not in transition, might I add, because like I just knew I was in transition before we left mm. to go to the hospital. Um, and I don't know if, if you know what transition means, but it's like the hardest part of your labor. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a really, really quick time, but it was not the case for me. Wow. Um, that's so yeah. crazy. And to be honest, you know, I think that was the case because I did get up and get in the car and, and be thrown around and that sort of stuff in the car. Like I feel like I went into transition, but then I think my labour went backwards in a way altered yeah. yeah which it can do yeah. yeah so I got stuck in transition for five hours in total oh, gosh. which normal transition is supposed to last between half an hour and an hour to give you wow. some kind of some kind of um yeah comparison because it is the most mm. intense crazy time in your labor that's usually when mm. you go into transition it's usually when mum's go, okay, I can't do this, give me an epidural, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, get me out of here, I want to go home. (laughs) And that usually means baby's nearly there. Really close, yeah, so that's transition and I I was like, that's why I was at home and I was like, get me an ambulance because this is, (laughs) you know, we got to (laughs) go, I'm not sitting in a seat. And that's also a really great reminder that whatever's happening in your environment or around you will affect your labour. Oh, 
1000 percent yeah and yeah so it's so important yeah i like i said i was half naked i'm sure like so did you walk into the hospital half naked oh dude i (laughs) i walked out my front door i mean when i say i walked i almost crawled out butt naked to the front like to the car um yeah, I was I was half naked in in my street. Um, oh my god, I love it. Yeah, and um, when I got to the hospital, Mum ran in and got someone who came out with a wheelchair. But I got out of the car, obviously butt naked, um, <laughs> straddled the wheelchair. Sort oh of, my god! <laughs> like on my hands and knees, and I was hanging over the back of the wheelchair, <laughs> um, butt naked. Thankfully, somebody. I don't know who somebody threw like a throw over my shoulders to give me some dignity. <laughs> um, and I didn't find out till later, but we went through, the, like we went into the lift and apparently Miles saw someone he knew and they're like, oh, hey. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like the got, worst time. He's like laboring wife, half naked in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, oh, oh hey, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, what are you up to? Yeah. I didn't know at the time because, like I say, I was in my own world and wow. just not not really taking in not any coherent. of my surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so they yeah. took you upstairs? Yeah, there was no, like, yes. I listened to so many birth stories um, where people go into hospital and they get set in, sit in the triage room and, you know, they're like, oh, so how bad are the contractions? Like mm. to sort of test whether they are ready to go into the birthing suite or whatever. There was no question with me. They just took me mm-hmm. straight into the birthing suite. <laughs> um, and it was funny because it was the same room that I had been into so many times for monitoring the like the previous week, which was kind of cool. So it felt a little bit familiar. I like I got to the hospital at like twelve thirty ish, one o'clock ish. I really don't remember to be honest, but um, that time at the hospital felt like maybe an hour. It went so fast. Wow. Um, and so did the morning too. Honestly, like I don't know if I, it's usual for everyone, but I I had no concept of time. Yeah. I like. I had no idea what the time was. Yeah. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't look at a watch, a clock or anything the entire day. Like I said, I had my eyes shut most of the day and didn't talk to anyone. Um, yeah, so they had me moving around in the hospital. And it was weird actually because as soon as I got in the birth suite, I started like bleeding a lot. Oh, really? I don't know. I don't know what that was about, like timing-wise. I don't know if it's connected to the fact that I – went from like a relaxed environment to a high stress environment yeah. like whether my body sort of just started to bleed I don't know but the midwife kept saying you're having a lot of bleeding um well she wasn't talking to me as such she was talking to my my husband I guess and the doula and that and um my doula said to me after the fact she was like you know that midwife shouldn't have said those things to you because it was completely normal the bleeding you know the bleeding that I was having yes there was a bit there but it wasn't um life-threatening and yeah it wasn't something to worry about it wasn't um unnormal like it Mm. 
and it, it was it not is, necessary for you to have that information for, to know that yeah because yeah. you know naturally that would just freak me out and possibly halt labor yeah. even further so yeah moraine was like this is normal i've been to she said this to the the midwife she's like i've been to so many births now and like this kind of bleeding is very normal mm-hmm. which sort of made me feel a bit better yeah you know, if someone without a doula wouldn't have that they would be like oh my god no you know, what's exactly. wrong where's you know so it's stressful and it's just what you don't want in a, in labor mm-hmm. especially your first time as well where you don't know yeah exactly so and being that I had preeclampsia take... and all yeah, that sort of exactly. stuff like if I didn't have that support there I, my mind probably would have run and you know freaked out a bit yeah. more but which can hold labor just yeah just to hear Moran be like don't stress I've seen this lots of times it's really not that uncommon you were able I was just to like, calm yeah straight away was just like okay I can let that go awesome just keep going with my labor Anyway, that midwife had a a shift change, thank God. Yeah. Um, And I had this sweet British lady who actually turned out to be um, the, like, top nurse. What do you call them? Um, Head nurse? Yeah, basically she – there was accidentally two, two of them rostered at the same time two head nurses rostered Mm -hmm. and because head nurses don't normally attend like the births they normally run the show sort of thing they like they tell all the other midwives what to do and if yeah and if the other midwives have problems they go in and consult and all that sort of stuff so Mm -hmm. because there was two rostered on she put her hand up to do a, a labor um and I was like honestly I thank my lucky stars that I got her because she was so knowledgeable Mm -hmm. and she really, I think, was a big reason why I didn't have more interventions than I I did. Um, She came in and she was so lovely and she spoke really calmly whereas the other midwife was very, like, frantic in a way. She was a lot younger too, so maybe not not as much experience, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was just calm and she literally sat in the corner and let us do our own thing. The only time um, I did get in the shower at one point, but because of my preeclampsia, I had to have that, um, what do you call it, continuous monitoring mm-hmm. put on me. And even though I had the waterproof one, they were like, yeah, the water's interfering with it. You can't be in the water in the shower. And I was like, righto, cool. <laughs> Um, so that didn't last long. Um, I wasn't too, I wasn't too worried about it at the time, to be honest. I thought in my head, I'm a big shower lover. Yeah. I thought the shower would be my sanctuary. Like I would spend my whole labor in the shower, but I really didn't because my doula, uh, Moran kept saying to me, you know, leave getting in the bath and leave the shower till like later because the earlier you get in. Um, sometimes it can halt your labor, um, like particularly baths. Um, but also it's a means of like pain relief. So if you can get by without it, like as long as you can, then you have something to use. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't even get in the shower at home. I 
got into the shower at the hospital, but like I say, I was taken out pretty quickly and I didn't even need to go in the bath. I had no, no want to go in the bath, probably because I needed Miles to be squeezing my hips yeah. and he couldn't do that while I was in the bath. So yeah. I was just like really happy to not even go there. Um, and yeah, so I was just on the floor. They moved me around quite a bit and um, on the floor and on the bed. And and you, I think you I, had no checks at this stage? You stuck with the birth plan? Oh, I did end up having a check. Um, I was happy to at that stage, but I didn't get told. I didn't want to know what stage I was at. Okay, yeah. Um, but I was happy for them to know. And to be honest, I didn't even feel them checking mm-hmm. or no they checked like I know they I gave the okay but um I didn't know laboring. they were doing it yeah. yeah I didn't even feel it or wasn't even aware of it happening so um I got a check and I was um I don't know exactly what time I got the check my first check done but I was at seven and a half centimeters wow at that point and then <clears throat> The other thing that they were worried about, because my because of my preeclampsia, my blood pressure was quite, like, obviously in the depths of labour, it was quite high too, but, you know, that's a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Your body's going through a huge um, thing, so yeah. it's only natural that your blood pressure's high. Um, anyway, so they wanted to give me this, like, tablet which you give to mothers in my position when I was 20 weeks when they don't want you to go into preterm labor mm-hmm. this tablet is for that like they it stops labor why did they want to give you that yeah because it was going to also bring down my it wasn't to stop my labor but the effects of that tablet bring down your blood pressure so they wanted to give me this tablet and I was just like, are you kidding me? Wow. You want to give me a medication that halts labour? No. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, no. And and Miles, my hubby, he was so good the whole time. He was my advocate, like asking all the questions that he knew I would have wanted to ask but yeah, wasn't awesome. physically able to ask them. So, um. I felt really supported, like I could hear everything happening, the conversations, but I wasn't really a part of them Mm -hmm. except for the final nod or the head shake or whatever, you know, the the okay or whatever. So, um, yeah, and I was just like, no thanks. So I didn't didn't take that. Um, And just things like, you know, hospitals – so annoying they wanted to put a cannula in my hand also because I apparently because I had preeclampsia and they wanted in case I went into a fit they wanted quick access to my veins or or whatever Mm -hmm. (sighs) like just so many things that that do halt your labor like if you're frightened of needles yeah yeah Yeah. um but yeah um naturally I I couldn't give two shits about the needle um, in my hand at the time when I was in full-blown labour, so that was good. Um, Yeah, so 3 o'clock I was 9.5 centimetres dilated Mm -hmm. and 
you know, they were like, oh, you've just got a little lip on your cervix, needs to um, finish dilating before you can start pushing. And and I should say this whole time, actually, even since I was at home, I was having involuntary pushing. Oh, wow. Which is, yeah, it's really strange, So that, which is another reason why I knew I was in um, transition, transition yeah. at home. Wow. And so you can imagine now I'm like, God, I wish I never went to the hospital. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just prolonged everything yeah. so much longer. Um, so, and honestly, that's probably why I started bleeding because I was having this, it, you know, this fetal ejection reflex for so long. Yeah, of course. Um, and the driving and stuff just really put it all into a spiral, if you if you could say that. Yeah, um, halted it kind of thing. Yeah. So 3 p.m. I was nine and a half centimetres dilated. And that's the only other time I remember speaking was I just said to Moran, what position do I need to be in to get this, you know, last lip of my cervix to dilate? And she's like, I've already put you in that, in that position. I was on my side. Um, I was laying on my side, which the lip was on. And um, I was just like, okay. <laughs> so we went through like one or two more tr- contractions and then they were like, all right, well, you're right to push now. You know, you're fully dilated. And I knew I didn't have much left in me. And obviously my body the whole time was um, trying to eject this baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so effectively I was pushing for, you know, since I was at home, so like six, seven hours. Wow. After they were like, yeah, you're fully dilated, I was like, okay, I'm fully ready to start pushing, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So I got up and I straddled the back of the bed and so like they, what do you call it, tilted the back of the bed up so it's sort of like a seat and I had my, like I pulled down, like I when I bared down I was pulling on the back of the bed, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I was fully dilated at 3 p.m. and I didn't give birth till 6.03 at night. Wow. So I was, like, in transition for such a long, like, five or six hours. So crazy considering they, you know, you had a very short cervix. It's just insane to me. It took so long. Yeah, well, it was a posterior labour. Oh, okay, yep. So that makes it harder yeah. for the baby to come down. Of course. And, um... And when I actually got to the hospital, they said that I, that he was floating. He wasn't in the birth canal. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy. So, um, which is obviously also why my body was um, cramping down to try and push him into the yeah. birth canal, I guess. Wow. So you um, were pushing for three hours. Well, effectively I was pushing for like my body was pushing for like seven hours, wow. six six hours. But me you physically helped. helping pushing was three hours. Wow. Um, and this is when I say why I say having that really experienced midwife. Um, was so she important? Was, yeah, because a normal midwife um, – would have logged the time that like she would have written in the paperwork that I was pushing from the minute that I got there. Mm -hmm. But um, because this 
really experienced midwife came on the scene quite soon after I got there. She fudged the paperwork and she said that I didn't start pushing till a lot later. Okay, yeah. Which, you know, if I if she hadn't have done that, then you know, they have this timeline and they would have been like, look, you've been pushing for this many hours. We can't allow you to go any further than that. It's got to be, you know, we're going to have to help you. So then it would have been like vacuum extraction or forceps mm-hmm. or, wow. you know, they would have intervened had she not have fudged those paper, those times. But you can still decline all of that, can't you? Oh, absolutely. It is yeah. your right. It's your body. You can... You can still decline it, but they. But the pressure would have of, been a lot more, which would have halted labour, which, yeah. Yeah, and being a, like first time mums, obviously, too, they it's scary because the doctors really don't go lightly with how they say things. Yeah. You know, they, they have no qualms in saying, look, your baby's at risk, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, well, that was the other thing I had, too, was um, I. I like my main thing was I didn't want any inf- interference with Orlo, but they had this problem where they couldn't find his his um, heart rate because my heart rate was exactly the same as his, oh. which is really um, unusual. But because I had been, I guess, labouring for so long at that point, 17 hours, um, I was just exhausted and, yeah, my my heart rate was so high um, that it was exactly the same as all those. So they they couldn't find him and so they were stressing effectively. And so I agreed to um, let them put that pin thing in his head. Oh, okay, yeah. um, To get his blood, his um, heart rate. Like so that they knew it was definitely his. Mm-hmm. Okay. Make sure he was all right. Which, to be honest, I didn't even feel. Didn't know they did it because, like I said, I was so far into my labour and he was like right there that mm-hmm. they didn't have to go digging for him or anything mm-hmm. to do that. So, um, yeah, didn't even feel it. But it did actually give me a lot of peace of um, mind. Peace of mind, yeah, because the way they were saying it, you know, that basically they made me feel like, oh, he could be gone because they can't find his heart rate or his heartbeat. So you agreed to the intervention because it was something that you actually benefited from as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and straight away it came up and they were like, oh, it's fine. He's just got the same heart rate as you. So they just couldn't differentiate between the two. So you were able to focus more. Yeah, exactly. So I was I was happy after that. And mm-hmm. um, I couldn't say how many, like, I think he came out relatively quick. Like once he started to come down the birth canal, yeah. it was like two or three contractions and he was out. And when his head was visible, my doula, Moran, she said, oh, his head's there. You should put your hand down and feel him. And I did that. I put my hand down and touched his little wrinkly oh, head, which was cute. full of hair. And oh, cute. I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to get this baby out. Come on, yeah. baby, come meet mama. And that was like the only kind of dialogue I had with myself the whole Time. labor. Wow. So I was just, it gave me this like push of 
energy to get him out. And, oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, so he was born like the next contraction. His head came out and then there was this huge pause like where I just rested. And might I add, I fell asleep between contractions like all the time. I was wow. so um, exhausted. Exhausted, yeah, and that was one of the biggest things that Moran taught me too was one of the most important things you can do in, in labour is fully let go of every every contraction that you have once it's gone, just and rest. fully relax and rest. So even yeah. to the point of let your head, like don't hold energy or don't use up your energy by holding your head up, like yeah. keep your head, like just fully relax, which is what I did on the back of the bed. I just I slumped over the back of the bed between each contraction and fell asleep (laughs) yeah and I feel like that was super important for me too getting through because it was long and and because of my my pushing for so many hours like my body was absolutely exhausted anyway his head or his shoulders came out I remember feeling like stop I I think I said you're pulling him up into my bum (laughs) because I thought that um I could feel like as he was coming out it felt like I felt a lot of pressure up in my bum. Like, like I, I thought she was pulling him up. Do you know what I mean? Like, out, out and up into my bum. I'm like, stop. Oh, okay. And yes. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. So it was obviously mm-hmm. maybe just his shoulders coming through like a really wide part of him. And then they were like, oh, your baby's here. And I was like, I honestly was so exhausted. I could not move a single muscle. I was like, Wow. The the midwife was like, turn around, your baby's here. And I was like, I can't move. I couldn't oh, no. I couldn't move a muscle. So Miles literally came around and picked me up because at the point I was on my hands and knees. Um, well, I was on my knees and my hands were on the back of the bed. And he picked me up and turned me over and then, like, laid me down on the bed. So then they could oh, wow. put him up on my chest. But I could not move a muscle. <laughs> So you were done. I was, my body was just like, I'm checking out. I couldn't, oh. I couldn't lift an arm. I still had a crop top on at that, po- at that point. And do you think I could take it off? No, they had to oh. take it off for me. I literally couldn't even lift an arm. And did you have a rush of oxytocin when you saw him or were you just too exhausted? I can't say that I had a rush because I was just, so, so exhausted. exhausted obviously when I saw him I was yeah. like oh my god you're my baby I know yeah. it was instant love but I I was so puffed like mm-hmm. I remember my breathing was so labored for like four or five hours after I had finished giving birth wow. yeah like I it was like I had run a marathon and, oh you pretty much had really <laughs> yeah and I had no training like I'm not an exerciser Mm -hmm. I'll just put that out there (laughs) (laughs) I don't exercise ever so I was really I guess you could say unfit too so um yeah I I remember my esophagus was so sore because it was so dry from like heavy breathing Mm -hmm. deep deep breathing for effectively you know I was in active labor from 8 a.m so what's 12 hours so. at what point did so did you do delayed cord clamping yes so um, did you just sit on your chest that whole time or you were yeah resting? he laid on my chest the whole time and he um he cried the tiniest little bit when he came out but then he just sort of he just chilled out and he went to sleep really quick um not quick but 
he I was thought cozy. he would be awake yeah. a lot longer. He he was he stared at me the whole time he was oh. awake. Like he was he was literally locking eyes with oh, me from stop. the first second he was out. Like he was so aware of everything, mm. and um, he was so awake and. But then he, he quickly fell asleep and he didn't feed in that golden hour, which mm-hmm. I was pretty devo about because I really wanted him to to get that golden milk in that hour. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't heard a, about that. What's that? Oh, so they call it the golden hour. So it's like the first hour that they're awake or that they're out of you. It's um, like all your colostrum. They, yeah. I mean, obviously you have colostrum for a few days, but it's really – good if they can get a bit of colostrum into them before they go to sleep because oh, they go okay. into sort of like a repair mode yeah. in a way when they, they go to sleep as soon as, you know, like after the hour. Yes, yeah. After labour. and um, So because he didn't feed, did it take a while for your, your um, placenta to come or did you get the injection? Yes, yes, that is exactly what happened. So because he didn't feed... Um, and also I think because my body was just, it had checked out. Yeah, it was <laughs> um, done. My placenta would not come. And, um, I mean, I'm sure it would have, but I actually was bleeding a lot too. Yeah. So, And considering I was bleeding so much, they, um, the midwife, once again, she was so good. She did let me, um, like I said to them, look, I want delayed cord clamping. It is, a, it is the most important thing to me. I'm not moving I'm not you know you're not doing anything to him I'm letting his cord drain mm-hmm. um and so we did that like we left the cord intact for an hour and it was completely white and um you know fully drained mm-hmm. and then she, it got to the hour because that's sort of like hospital policy they give you an hour to get rid of not get rid of but birth the placenta naturally mm-hmm. before they sort of feel like they have to intervene um and because I was losing quite a lot of blood too she really did sort of put the heavies on and say look this is pretty important like she had let me do my own thing the whole time most of the time and at that time I was just like you know what I've got my baby he's healthy he's had his delayed cord clamping yeah exactly I'm happy for you guys to intervene now um you know to a certain extent so she, I still made, like, I was like, no, I'm waiting the hour. And I even it was past the hour before she um, she said, look, we're going to have to do something because you are losing the blood. So That's I got awesome. the shot in my leg. Um, but because I had preeclampsia, I got a different shot to what they normally give. Oh. It's got less preservatives or less, less of something in it anyway which is good. I was like, cool, that's good for me. I don't yeah. <laughs> want as little as possible yeah. so you can give me. Um, and she had to pull, she pulled on it, which I really wish I hadn't allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that I just had the shot and let the contractions do its thing instead of letting her pull on it. But she did pull on it and um, I did give birth to it, obviously, but I, like, lost a lot of blood and I do think that pulling on the cord is not a great thing yeah I feel like it's an unnecessary part of it I feel like if you need a boost in your contractions to get it out then I I get that um 
but the pulling on it bit didn't sit well with me. But okay, I was just yeah. so exhausted at the time. I didn't say anything. Um, but it's definitely something to, well, for me anyway, I, I probably I won't be letting it happen again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, everyone's circumstances are different. Mm-hmm. And um, you so, still yeah, did I like gave a birth. full natural labour, so you did an amazing job. Yeah, yeah, no no pain relief. I didn't get gas. I didn't get an epidural. I didn't get any of the morphine shots. I got nothing. Wow. Um, and I had in their eyes, I had hemorrhaged after the birth, after the placenta came out, mm-hmm. which is what they were worried about. Um, so what did they it do? Wasn't, it wasn't a huge, like, hemorrhage. Like, you know, I've heard some women lose over a litre of blood, so mine was only... 850 mils or something mm-hmm. of blood, which was um, quite the scene to have a midwife scoop up blood in between your legs wow. <laughs> off the bed and literally like in a puddle and put it into a dish to weigh it. Like for my husband who doesn't do well with blood and I don't do well with blood either, but um, obviously I had a lot of things distracting me but he did so well he didn't he always thought he would pass out or something silly um if he ever saw too much blood but he had it all over him he had blood all down his legs and all over his arms um and I was covered head to toe in it too obviously um and he was fine he didn't get like he didn't pass out or feel nauseous yeah, or anything. He was probably so. exhausted as well. <laughs> so how long after Orlo was born did you get to have a rest or did you leave the hospital early? What was your after we, experience? It was about, so he was born at 6 p.m., 6.03, and it was like 8 o'clock and because um, they sort of like left us alone with him and Miles like hand-fed me sand- hospital sandwiches and uh, just – water basically because yeah. towards the end there I didn't drink for quite a while which is not a not a good thing mm-hmm. but um so we had something to eat and then at about eight o'clock I had a midwife come in and do all of um all those like checks his weight and uh, measure him How and much all that did sort of weigh? stuff 3.690 so he was eight pound two oh, ounces wow. that's a decent sized baby very healthy yeah. baby yeah. Considering you had all those complications. Issues, you did well. yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, from my body frame too, everyone I tell that I had that size baby are like, oh, you know, that's a big baby for mm. your frame size. Mm. <laughs> but um, Did you end up having any tearing? I did. I He came out, he was a compound presentation, so he had his hand, his fist, I should say, not a flat hand, his fist. Oh, was, no right up next to his face, um, which when he came through was fine, but his little elbow Mm. right at the end nicked nicked me and just ripped me a bit. Um, And I was really lucky because it it was only a second-degree tear, which I've I've heard women with that sort of presentation have torn much, much worse before. So I was really grateful um, and the midwife was like, you know, 
because I obviously, my history with needles and stuff and stitches, I just, oh, that was like worse than labour in my opinion. So I was like, can I like not stitch it? Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, look, to be honest, it's, we probably recommend, I would recommend the stitch, but it's also right on the borderline where you could probably get away with not stitching it. Mm-hmm. And um, um, obviously with the okay from the doctors who came in later to check and they were like, yeah, you know, obviously we recommend to stitch, but. Um, it's your choice. If Yeah, it's your choice. If you really don't want to, then you can, you can leave it be. It will take a lot longer to heal. Um, but it is your choice. And I was like, nope, thank you. The shop <laughs> shop is closed for business. I honestly did not want anyone near my I don't blame you. Punani at that point. I was like, y'all can get lost. And did it heal okay? Oh, it did, but it took a long time. Because mm-hmm. of where it was, every sort of movement you do, like you get up off a chair or you, yeah, you go to sit down, it's, it's in that position that continuously moves and opens. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. If my time was again, I'd, I don't know, I think I'd probably get a stitch. However, mm-hmm. I was pretty adamant. I didn't want anyone near me mm-hmm. <laughs> at that stage. So I don't know. Yeah, that was that was my um, I did I did um, tear, but I guess it was probably one of the better tears you can have. Yeah, but it's fully healed and it's all good. And mm. actually, that's what I was going to say. The midwife who came in to do all of all, all those checks and stuff, she um, once she saw on my chart that I had declined stitches and all that sort of stuff, she was like, you know, you can actually put seaweed in your undies and like lay like a sheet of seaweed um, and it kind of turns to a glue. I was like, wow, that is so cool. Um, If anyone out there wants Wants to to go down that that route, yeah, yeah, you can use seaweed as a glue for your punani. What would you do differently with your second birth? I'm going to have a home birth, my next birth. birth, yeah. Beautiful. Purely because of um, the fact that I went into transition at home and how much longer my labour was prolonged, I think, because of the trip to the hospital, which was like darty in between, in and out of traffic (laughs) and around corners and, um, you know, like I was getting thrown around in that back seat and I kind of feel like maybe that's what dislodged him from the birth canal. I don't even know. I mean, absolutely. Definitely. It could have been. I don't know. But who knows? So I'm just sort of like, well, you know, without that travelling and without that high, like, stress environment in the hospital, I feel like I would have given birth, like, five or so hours earlier. Mm. So I am definitely keen for a home birth next time. Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. That's exciting. 100%. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today and sharing your story. I feel like your story is really important because it's a reminder that regardless of what the doctors say, you have the power to say no and you can do your own research and make your own choices, something that's so important and a lot of women don't actually know. I was one of them. Yeah. Reading, reading in your pregnancy is like seriously the 
best thing. Do you have you any do. books that yeah, you would highly read, recommend? Um, obviously, I did hypnobirthing with my doula, so that hypnobirthing book was really cool. Yeah. Um, the Mongan Method or whatever it is. Um, can't think of the name of it at the moment. I'm pretty sure it's Mongan Method. I'll add it all in the description of the podcast. Yeah, you'll be able to get that detail. Did you read um, it anyway? I Ina read May? Inna, yeah, Inna Mays. Um, Inna Mays. Ina, Inna. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah. I always say Inna Mays. Um, Guide to Childbirth. Birth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that one. That's a goodie. Yeah, I read that and that was super like, um, like just made me feel at ease with mm. the process. Um, mm. And that's something that hypnobirthing and the doula classes did too. Like it just gave me so much confidence in my own body's ability mm. you know the hormones would take over and I I didn't have to worry about that like it was all natural and yeah if I just let my body do what it had to do just that I would be okay yeah. yeah and I mean yours was kind of a high risk pregnancy in the sense that you had the short cervix and then the preeclampsia yeah. so a lot of women would in your situation probably just go down that medical route but you didn't and you still had a beautiful natural birth that's something that the doula Moran she said to me afterwards she said you know like people in your situation don't normally get the birth that you wanted yeah (laughs) she was like I didn't have high hopes to be honest but she obviously didn't say that to me but yeah she was just like I can't believe you did so well you know Mm. with everything and I was like Cheers. It <laughs> but, is um, impressive. Well, yeah, but I also Especially don't. Especially first birth. Yeah. And I also don't want to, though, like send anyone astray. Like everyone's situation is different. Yeah, like, of course. Especially with preeclampsia. Did your it is so dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but 100% people need to like trust their bodies. Like if you feel fine, if you're not getting any of the. The scary symptoms, you know, the the blurred vision and, and the feelings of unwellness and that sort of thing. Like hospitals see the sick, the dying and the dead. Yeah. So that's the sort of um, outlook that they have on most things. Yeah. They, they see the worst, so they, they prep for the worst. And, yeah. like, while that can be life-saving saving in some aspects, it also specifically with birth it can really mess things up like birthing and pregnancy is not a medical condition and you know it is it's important to remember that a second opinion isn't a bad thing exactly yeah and that was where my chiropractor came in so handy like he he had my back the whole way he was messaging me every day to see where you know where I was at how I was feeling he really stepped up to the plate and you know was checking all my bloods for me and was you know and he would 100% straight away be like look this is getting serious your levels are starting Mm -hmm. to be really scary right now I really think you should go into hospital or something he would have no qualms in telling me that so he was still taking it seriously you just were yeah yeah, I wasn't sort of disregarding what what they were saying or anything like that I was still taking it in um, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to do it my way, yeah, and and how it awesome. felt right for me, yeah. So and it's a good message to send out there. Oh, absolutely, and 
and that's not just with preeclampsia. Obviously, everything is the same. Well, even my my birth, it's like immediately everyone assumes, oh, C-section. Yeah, exactly. It's so yeah. so good that you're a bit more um, aware of things. This time around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because especially with twins, they, I feel like they would be even more likely to in- intervene quicker. Oh, absolutely. There is a lot of want for intervention when it comes to twins but that's why it is so important to stand your ground yeah yeah stand your ground and do your own research like you did my doula has been awesome she's done so much research and you know I think if you have the right support around you you'll be fine yeah it's so cool that we have the same doula she's lovely so lucky to have her (laughs) and can I also just say for anyone questioning whether a doula is worth the money I 1000% 1000% they are worth their money in gold like absolutely my husband Miles he was so grateful to have her there like at first when I said yeah. to him look I want to get a doula he was like what it's gonna cost $2,000 are you saying are you crazy yeah um he didn't really see the value in it and he didn't understand and he sort of just was going with the flow but after the classes we did with her and all oh, the things so that he learned, um, he he was ready. Like when I went into labour, he was he was ready. He wasn't freaking out. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh my god, what do I do? He was he was just chill, which is what I needed. Which is what so many people forget as well. It's not just the it's not the labouring mother. It's the father as well, as well. that needs support. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And doulas are amazing to support the dad. Like I say, Miles a couple of times said to Moran, he was like, should we? be going to the hospital now and she's like no no she's fine like because yeah that's the main thing too is you you labor at home for as long as you can because Mm -hmm. ultimately the less time you spend in hospital the less chance there is for intervention that was a big thing coming from the door and yeah miles was just was so stoked and he he wanted to kiss her feet at the end of the labor oh that's beautiful seriously he was so grateful and I was so grateful because like I say having a calm husband obviously helped me stay calm so yeah yeah Yeah, he was he was grateful for sure well you'll have to come back on the show with your second birth and tell us all about your beautiful home birth oh yes (laughs) gladly it'll be awesome (laughs) thank you so much Shana you're very welcome that brings us to the end of today's episode guys thank you so much for tuning in i hope shana's story affirms to you that you can always use your voice in every situation and that there is nothing wrong with doing your own research or getting a second opinion i'll see you guys next week for another episode of positive birth australia